I myself have been on my own weight loss journey. Um, I've lost and kept off over a hundred pounds in in that journey. There's, there's quite a, quite a backstory involving, um, trauma and some struggles with mental health and binge eating and food addiction and so on. And so, uh, I share that just to say that I have quite a bit of intimate personal experience with the struggle that people face around weight loss. And so that really shapes how I, how I work with people in the approach that I take. Tired, weary, frustrated? What would you be doing if you weren't raising children alone? What's stopping you from living your best life now? On Solar Moms Talk, I discuss with solar mothers the challenges you face raising children alone. So if you're a working solar mom dealing with independent children, insensitive bosses, weight and health issues, or even debt collectors, join us as we discover your path to get and stay healthy, increase your income, and live with joy and purpose. In this battle of life. Today I'm talking to Coach John McLernan. Welcome, John. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. The first thing I always like to do is to ask you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Yeah, so uh, I live in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. So, ah. so for uh, American listeners, I'm north of Montana. Okay. And uh, just a little bit east of the Rocky Mountains. So a really, really beautiful area. I, I run a company called Freedom Nutrition Coaching. Uh-huh. And uh, the name of that company came from a client who told me, I don't want to live in nutrition prison anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a really powerful statement and I wanted to come up with a name that kind of captured what she was expressing there. I myself have been on my own weight loss journey. Um, I've lost and kept off over a hundred pounds in in that journey. There's, there's quite a, quite a backstory involving um, trauma and some struggles with mental health and binge eating and food addiction and so on. And so uh, I share that just to say that I have quite a bit of intimate personal experience with the struggle that people face around weight loss. And so that really shaped how I work with people in the approach that I take. Okay, sure. And uh, (laughs) I'm actually not far away from you i'm in new west so okay yeah <laughs> there you go yeah <clears throat> want to come to i, I was bo- huh? i was gonna i was born in mission okay oh all right yeah not too far <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. okay so you lost 100 pounds so weight loss is a struggle for maybe yes, everyone it is, it is but yeah. lots of people lose weight what's yeah. special about your weight loss well i, I would say the fact that it's uh, i've sustained it or they've kept the weight off so it's a bit of a bit of a stress but let's say we could tie you to a tree and starve you and you would lose weight. Mm-hmm. But when we untie you and set you loose again, um, <laughs> you're going to go right back to old patterns of behavior and want to eat everything that you weren't able to eat and so on. Right. And so it's kind of like a diet. A diet is like putting you in a temporary straitjacket and it, it's an attempt to create a permanent transformation from a temporary effort. So it's always destined to fail. And so what's really important, what I focus on is what I call brain-driven weight loss. Mm-hmm. What, what I mean by that is it's an inside-out approach. So a normal diet is an outside-in approach. I impose these rules and these restrictions on you, you follow these rules and restrictions till you get a certain result and then you remove the rules and restrictions. There isn't all that much true internal change that necessarily takes place in that process. So if we start from the inside and we work our way out, we can actually create permanent transformation because if you want to lose weight and keep it off, so get off of the yo-yo diet cycle, you actually have to create a transformation, so a permanent change in your life and create a new way of living. So my goal when I work with somebody is to help them reverse engineer their own healthy lifestyle as a opposed to me dictating rules that they have to follow. Okay, gotcha. So rather than following a plan, you develop something that works for you and works how you 
are. Yeah, I think it's a really good way of, of phrasing it because I think if I could go out there and say like, I found the greatest method, you must follow the McLernan method. It's the only way to lose weight and so on. And that's what a lot of this marketing is. Mm-hmm. But the truth is what works for me is not a guarantee what's going to work for you. So rather what we could do is say, well, we know the fundamental principles that make up a healthy lifestyle. So we'll say it probably involves eating some vegetables, probably some quality protein, some good carbohydrates, not too much junk food, lots of water, not too much alcohol, lots of sleep and good stress management. Mm-hmm. So if we say those are the pillars of like a healthy lifestyle. Now, underneath those pillars, there's a lot of wiggle room because we want to be able to shape them for your individual circumstances. Yes. And so, for example, we could say activity. Well, it might look different like what you have time and, and availability to do versus somebody else. And so how do we take that principle and shape it for you and then also help you turn it into a pattern of behavior or uh, like a habit so that you don't have to keep consciously thinking about doing it, but it be, almost becomes like an automatic part of your lifestyle. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I get it. So in mindset, it's how you view what you're doing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so the, that's another really, really interesting component because we might be tempted to think that a lot of our behaviors are, are sort of conscious decisions, mm-hmm. but a lot of them are not. They come from our habits. So that's our patterns of behavior that we've repeated many times over. Mm-hmm. They come from our, our beliefs, our sense of identity. So who we see ourselves to be in the world, that plays a role as well. So the way that our brain works, you know, for example, when I was obese, I kind of adopted the identity of the jolly fat guy. Mm-hmm. Um, now that means that I'm going to behave in a way that is in alignment with that identity. Right. So the jolly fat guy, the life of the party, always eating the food, always encouraging people to eat more food, you know, always taking seconds and thirds and having this huge appetite and so on. So my behavior, even though it was unhealthy, was congruent with my sense of identity. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we often see something like self-sabotage showing up is because we try to create change, but we haven't really changed how we see ourselves. Mm. All right. I want to look at that in a minute, but first I want to roll back a little bit. So, because I've struggled with weight loss myself, I've gotten to the point yeah. where I could do it. I could do it. Right. And then another yeah. time I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. What were your struggles before you found success? Oh boy. There's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> and and so I like to, I like to say like, it's really important that we understand the between the before and after. Mm-hmm. So social media will show you, you know, before and after picture and you go, oh my gosh, I want to have that kind of transformation. But there's a whole lot that's happened between those two pictures. And very often that goes unexplored. So for me, I was battling food addiction because I I went through trauma a little over 10 years ago. And so the way of coping with the trauma was for me to eat food. Uh And I wasn't binging on broccoli. It (laughs) it It was not healthy food. And so because of that, I established a pattern of behavior where I would compulsively eat and compulsively eat in secret. And uh, I would try to hide that behavior. But of course, the evidence shows up on my body, mm-hmm. whether or not I think it's being hidden and then living kind of in denial. So trying to say, oh my gosh, I'm trying so hard to lose weight. I just can't seem to get anywhere. Well, in a sense, I was trying really hard in my mind, but actually in my actions, I was not. And so there's there's kind of what I call like mental dieting. It's where we constantly obsess about food and we constantly obsess over this idea that we need to lose weight. What's well, really mentally wearying or mentally exhausting, but it's not actually matched with sort of physical actions in our real life. So then we start to develop this idea, or I did, I developed this idea, like I'm trying so hard and nothing is working and so on, um, because I wasn't taking care of what the real sort of root cause of the problem was. Right. You know, whether that was my relationship to myself, my relationship with my body, cultivating self-love, self-compassion. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of struggles in there. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. I had someone, there was a story once about someone, it was a woman who had encountered sexual abuse and mm-hmm. in order to cover up, she didn't know it at the time, but in order to cover up so that she, she wasn't attractive to 
an abuser. She would eat, so mm. she would get really, really big because she yeah. thought that was a way to cover, to keep herself protected from this abuser. Are you able to address any form of habit that we form with food to cover up problems that we're trying to avoid or we haven't dealt with? Yeah, so that makes perfect sense. And actually, I like to say that all behavior makes sense. Now, I don't mean that all behavior is ideal mm-hmm. or helpful, but if we understand what's happening in the brain, we understand why the behavior occurs. And so what I like to say is that compassionate awareness is the space where we create true transformation. Now, what I mean is, so if we say we have a lot of habitual behaviors, behaviors that happen subconsciously or unconsciously, and they're not helpful ones. For example, if we were to, in CSI, they use that spray, they spray something and then they shine the UV light and they can, mm-hmm. you know, see patterns or footprints or fingerprints or whatever. Well, if we were to kind of use that spray, we could start to see a pattern of how you move around your house and how you move in and out of the kitchen and in and out of the pantry and so on. And we could establish there's an unconscious pattern of movement and behavior connected to you and food. Mm-hmm. Now, if we were to put a, say, a camera in the place, that would be kind of creepy. But if we were to put a camera in there, we could also then start to see there was patterns around the timing. There's probably times, maybe people listening can relate to this, where, you know, you might just find yourself standing in front of the fridge or the pantry, holding the door open and kind of blankly staring and being like, man, I don't remember. How did I get here? What am I doing here? <laughs> or the fridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the first step is we kind of have to start to bring those automatic behaviors mm-hmm. into our conscious awareness because that's where we can start to change them. And so very often I recommend that people find some way of tracking their food intake. Now, that doesn't mean you have to count calories and weigh your food and things like that, but it could be a you know a food, gener- <laughs> food diary. I tried to say journal and diary at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, a food diary, a photo journal, uh, sticky notes. You could use my fitness pal, but just some way of creating awareness around each time that you eat. Now, when it comes to weight loss, uh, statistically speaking, those who find some way to track their food intake see two times as much weight loss or twice as much weight loss as those who don't. Yes, because yeah. they're bringing these behaviors into their conscious awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing I'll put in there is we really need compassion when we start to become make ourselves aware of our unhelpful behaviors because there's a risk that we would start you know start talking down to ourselves, beating ourselves up, or negative self talk when we become aware of our unhelpful patterns of behavior. But if there's compassion in the picture, we're now looking at it through uh, a lens more of curiosity and looking to understand versus looking to judge. And that's how we can start to create change. Mm, Okay, thank you. One surefire way to help yourself moving forward is to keep Mm -hmm. track of what you eat. Yeah, just become kind of aware of that. Now, just like the reverse of this is also true. So just in the same way that we want to take those automatic unhelpful behaviors that we have and start to become aware of them, we can kind of do the reverse where we can take a healthier, a helpful behavior. It starts with conscious awareness. So we have to deliberately practice it. But the more times we repeat it, the more automatic it becomes. And so now we can wire in a good habit. And so I often encourage people to set what I call CMGs or can't miss goals. Now, the idea behind this concept is it's a behavior that is so simple that you basically can't not do it. Mm-hmm. You, it's So for me, for example, my CMG was 5,000 steps per day. Mm. Now, that's nowhere near the 10,000 that people say you should do, but it's 5,000 steps a day. Why? Because pretty much every day, unless I'm bedridden, I can hit that goal with maybe 10 minutes of activity. So just enough that I had to do some deliberate activity to hit that goal. Now, what determines if we'll be successful in forming a habit is how easy the behavior is to repeat. So when we set our goal as something really simple, it almost seems like, oh my gosh, that's too simple. How could that work? But remember, when a habit is established, we can grow it, we can nurture it, we can expand it. But first, we need that pattern of behavior established. Yeah. 
For sure. That two millimeter, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So what is the first thing then? You Would you say the first thing is keeping track? And mm. I would think that you may want to deal with whatever underlying trauma is. Yeah. And, and I would say like not everybody who struggles with weight necessarily will have a specific underlying trauma. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes there's just a, we just establish a disordered relationship with food. It is quite common to see body image issues, um, people, you know, creating judgment around the size they are and so on. But really, yes, I would say tracking your food is kind of the first step. We look at, okay, where's the gap? So let's just say you kind of have a goal. And I like to say that weight loss is a doorway. It's not a destination. What I mean by that is, so let's just say, you kind of say, Coach John, uh, I want to lose 30 pounds. I'd like to be 100 and 140 pounds, just plucking some numbers here. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say, okay, how is your life different at 140 pounds versus now? What is different? How are you living differently? So we want to get an idea because you're not going to necessarily lose the weight and then be able to go back to the old behaviors. Right. Because that'll just bring you back to the old weight. So you have to understand, you have to really realize why it is you want to do this because the process of losing weight is difficult and it's uncomfortable. And we live in a world where we have a lot of comfort available to us, whether it's junk food or Netflix or, you know, where we can just emotionally numb ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so we need a good reason why we're willing to be uncomfortable if we're going to go on this process. Now, that's not to say it's like miserable or horrible or whatever, but it is uncomfortable yes. to try to lose weight because we're fighting our body a little bit here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm, wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Uh, what is John grateful for today? You know, I've got an eight month old little boy Aww. and every time he sees me, he lights up with this little grin and he's got two teeth, two <laughs> bottom teeth just kind of sticking up right now. And it's the cutest little grin. And that just fills my heart with joy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. That's so sweet. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So how can we get in touch with you, Coach John? The easiest place is probably my website, which is com. Okay. So, yeah, and we can put that in the show notes. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, you're welcome to send me a friend request on, on Facebook. I haven't I haven't hit my uh, my friend limit yet. And so, <laughs> okay, uh, I Yeah, you can send a friend request there. The other thing is I I a couple of weekly sort of live broadcast shows. Okay. Wellness Unplugged is kind of like a, a interview-style podcast and Wellness Unfiltered, which is a panel type discussion with myself and a few other coaches uh-huh. and uh, I, we broadcast them on Twitch, on Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, as well as on Facebook. So if you look up Freedom Nutrition Coaching on any of those platforms, you'll find where they're being broadcast and they usually happen on a Monday, a Tuesday and a Friday. Okay. All right. So we, I'll put that information too in the show notes and I will connect yeah. you on Facebook with you on Facebook and you must be yeah. a gamer if you're on Twitch. My son is on Twitch. So. <laughs> well, actually, surprisingly, I'm not. Oh. I just, I, I but you you know what? There is another category in Twitch for like social commentary and that kind of thing. Oh, and so okay. uh, whenever I do a broadcast, I almost always have one viewer from Twitch mm-hmm. on there. So I, I'm grateful for that one person on Twitch that keeps showing up They're or maybe important. it's a different person each yeah. time. But everyone who shows up and is a part of the discussion, I'm grateful for. So uh, yeah, it, it's good to be on Twitch. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. And I ask, always ask, give me one piece of advice you have for a solo mom struggling with her weight right now. Compassion. So take one step back and realize you're doing the best you can with what you got. Mm-hmm. You've been dealt a difficult hand. Um, there's a lot that's on your plate. And so really show yourself compassion and grace. And then when you think about creating change, you know, we, we often want to create like this big monumental transformation really quickly, but that's too much for our brain to handle. So you just create a little bit of change and then one step leads to another and leads 
to another. And so when we show ourselves compassion and grace, it helps us to be patient in the process. And so, and, and any moms out there that are single moms, like my heart goes out to you. I, I watch my wife with my son and I just see how beautiful motherhood is and how important it is. And so um, my hat is off to all you moms out there who are doing the best you can. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming and talking to me today. Coach John McLernan, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Sure. Did you enjoy that? Why not explore other interviews on Solo Moms Talk? Hit the follow button so you'll know when new episodes are published. Also, check out our new YouTube channel, Solo Moms Talk TV, where you'll see these awesome guests in person. Being a solo mom can be challenging, but sometimes all you want is a listening ear. If that's you, schedule a one-on-one call with me using my calendar link below. The call is my way of showing you that you're not alone and you don't have to parent in silence. Talk soon.